Hi, my name is Ben Atkinson and welcome to the Functional Health Podcast. I interview some of the leading voices in nutrition and lifestyle medicine and I will share with you their stories, their expertise and their advice, shedding light on the industry from each of their perspectives to help improve your health from today. This week, I'm delighted to share with you my conversation with Richie Bostock. Richie is an awesome individual who has made his whole life about breath work, showing how just using your breath can help you change your performance physically, mentally, and emotionally. So without further ado, Richie, welcome to the show, man. Ah, thank you so much for having me, Ben. It's such a pleasure to be here and to get to chat with you. It's a real pleasure to have you on the show. Now, just to to start off, a lot of people are into nutrition or fitness or mindset, but breath work is still not something which is readily used or utilized. And maybe a lot of people don't know where it is. And when I think of breath work, I always think mindfulness and meditation maybe use aspects of it. But quite often my mind goes to hyperventilating. So maybe we can just set the scene and get your opinion on what is breath work. Well, yeah, you know, you're totally right. Yeah, I think um, people think a lot about what they put in their bodies, how they can exercise and move their bodies more. Thankfully, more and more people are thinking about actually, well, how do I think and how do I feel and how is this something that I can also have some sort of conscious influence over? Mm-hmm. Um, but the breath seems to kind of be that thing that's been pushed to the side or really kind of forgotten about for the longest time, at least in Western cultures, because it just happens, right? We breathe because we need to survive. We need oxygen. There's nothing more to it. But, um, you know, little do we know that actually the way that we breathe affects every single system and every single function in the body. So if we start to learn what the breath does and then how we can use it as a, as a tool, then we have access to all sorts of new levels of health of uh, whether that's physically, mentally, or emotionally. So it's a, it's a really exciting thing. And breath work, as I define it anyway, is really any time that you become aware of your breathing and then start to change it to create some sort of physical, mental, or emotional benefit for yourself. So, you know, when you talk about mindfulness and meditation, Well, if you're doing some form of watching the breath or even using the breath in a certain way, then that's breath work. Uh, If you are feeling um, stressed at a moment in your day, you can breathe in a certain way for a few minutes to help you to relax and down-regulate your nervous system. Um, You can do things like uh, the Wim Hof method or pranayama, the yogic style of breath, or Chinese medical breathing styles from things like Qigong where you might sit or lie down and do certain breathing practices for 10 to 15 minutes to create um, certain effects for yourself or certain benefits. Right. All the way to the other, the final piece of breath work, which I think is really important, which is using the breath as a form of therapy. So being able to use the breath uh, emotionally to work through trauma, uh, any kind of emotional stress, tension, or uh, things that you might be holding onto that doesn't serve you. So there's a very broad spectrum there. Yeah, a huge spectrum. And I think you articulated it beautifully when you said also like using it as a tool. Um, and I think that just shows you can use it for different reasons. And there's com- hugely a, a vast um, a vast array of techniques which you can use. Was there ever like a defining moment? I mean, you've you've traveled, from what I've read, everywhere. So was there ever a defining moment where, where you were introduced to breathwork and you were just like, wow, this is for me? Mm. When I first got into breathwork, I, I wasn't doing it with the thought of, um, you know, having it as a profession. It was really purely just out of exploration. Um, and... I think the after the very, very first breathwork session I had, which was um, when I was learning the Wim Hof method, which was the very mm-hmm. first style of breathwork I'd ever uh, come across, um, I had this incredible, incredible experience. It was first thing in the morning in this retreat that I was doing, uh, taking part in, uh, in Poland, in the middle of winter in this tiny little village. And the first morning we go down into the basement of the hotel that we're staying in and we lie down and do these deep breathing techniques for you know 30 to 40 minutes 
And I just went through a range of different physical sensation to different emotion from just pure calm to feelings of euphoria and bliss to feelings of like power and confidence and just feeling so good about myself, you know, and it was just from this first experience of, of breath work. And I remember coming out of that basement and we had breakfast straight afterwards and I was had a mouthful of eggs and I just had this moment of clarity where I just went, my God, like if I could feel this way just by breathing, then why doesn't everybody know about this? And I think that was maybe the first like seed that was planted in my head around maybe there's something bigger uh, around this work for me. But, you know, like you said, I, I have one of those personalities where I, become very obsessed with something as soon as I like it. And I traveled all over the world to try and learn about the breath from different people through different perspectives and lenses. And I think the more, just the more and more that I saw the amazing uh, benefits, transformations, the healings of people who learned how to use their breath in certain ways and, and started to do it. Mm. I think just the accumulation of these experiences for myself and seeing other people as well, maybe just decide, you know what, this is too important and that maybe I need to do my best to share this work. That's amazing. And, and I think it's always inspiring when people follow their heart like that. And, and, and now I know this might be hard to compare, um, but you've been in this field for quite some time. Have you seen breath work have a, an equally powerful effect as maybe nutrition, exercise or psychotherapy for health? Well, you know, I believe always in a holistic approach to health and mm -hmm. you can't, um, you have to understand and take into account all the pieces. Um, so obviously moving your body, our bodies are designed to move, to understand that the food that you put in your body is what makes you up. You are the food that you eat. So what are you going to put into your body? What, did, what do you want to become? What do you want <laughs> to be you is very, very important. Um, and when it comes to things like healing from whether it's through mental health issues, uh, past traumas, and this area of work, you know, talking therapies have been around for, for a long time, whether it's psychotherapy, psychoanalysis, you know, even things like NLP and CBT, um, you know, these all are great, great tools. And I think they're excellent. And but what we're seeing right now, I believe, especially in that field of, of therapy, is a revolution in what are called somatic practices. Mm -hmm. um, so practices where we use the body to create big change in how you think and how you feel. So whether that's things like somatic experiencing, so movement of the body, and um, you know, they talk about things like fascial unwinding. So uh, and so, you know, the fascia is the connective tissue that holds basically our, our internals all together. It connects everything. And it used to, we used to just think of it as this, just this kind of stuff that's not really that important. Yet now more and more we're understanding that actually that tissue that we have so much of in our body actually can hold energy or hold memory and might actually hold trauma that needs to be released in some way. Um, so things like that, and obviously breath work, uh, which is, you know, yeah, I might be slightly biased, but I believe is the tool <laughs> no. of our time because yeah, I'm just, they call me the breath guy. So I'm definitely not biased, <laughs> but like, um, yeah, you know, it's, I believe it's a tool of our time just because of how simple and how easy it is, you know, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's just breathing. We can all do it. It's all, um, available to all of us and you know there's, there's no we're not having to take anything there's no magic pills here no magic potions and that mm. really what you're doing is your self-healing and you know how empowering is that hugely empowering and you know i first got really interested in this when i realized there was a huge interplay between how we feel and also how we breathe and vice versa so and what i mean by this is just to give an example is when we experience a situation that causes us to become anxious or and it increases our breathing rate or maybe more rate of respiration and it maybe causes us to breathe faster or maybe even more erratic this can exacerbate this anxiety but then what i found profound is that when you can control your breath 
you reduce your perceived anxiety regardless if that stressor is still present. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You're yeah. spot on. You know, the way that we breathe is very much a reflection of how we're feeling internally because of how closely linked it is to our autonomic nervous system. You mm-hmm. know, it is it is governed by this nervous system that you know tells the body what to do and, and it governs all the functions that we don't think about consciously. Um, now, what is so cool about the breath is that it's the only automatic function in the body that we also have a hundred percent control over. So what it means is that this is like a, a gateway or a highway into the autonomic nervous system and to determine how it's functioning. So you have like a lever or a control panel to be able to use your breath and say, you know what, even though I should be feeling stressed because whatever is happening outside of me would usually cause me to feel stressed and I'm going to breathe in a certain way and change what's happening inside of me so that that doesn't happen. Um, it's a, you know, a very powerful tool. I, I say it's like the Swiss army knife for the body in yeah. all the different ways that it can help us. Yeah. I've, I mean, I read, uh, I read some studies recently. It was actually in the international journal of yoga um, and they found that Kundalini yoga, so that this is a type of breath work and I'm sure you'll be able to mm. elaborate on this more, but it decreased salivary cortisol levels very rapidly and cortisol is a stress hormone in the body, but also de- decreased perceived stress levels. And also has been shown to increase the calming neurotransmitter gamma aminobutyric acid, I believe it's called, called GABA, which is the abbreviation. Mm -hmm. So it's not just even the perception that this breathing technique is calming. We can, it has a fundamental biochemical change um, or causes a fundamental biochemical change in our blood, um, which I just find astonishing as well that we can measure it now. Absolutely. And, but here's, you know, if you took somebody that was completely relaxed and then gave them a, or taught them how to do a stressful style of breath and then got them to breathe in that way for, you know, a couple of minutes and then took a sample of their blood, you would see how adrenaline rises, how cortisol rises. You could have, um, attach a heart rate monitor and see their heart rate rise. You could see hrv decrease heart rate variability mm. you know so within a matter of moments you can use your breath to very really affect your physiology and that's so interesting that that study referenced specifically kundalini yoga because a lot of the practices breath practices in kundalini yoga are actually very stimulating like <laughs> it's quite in, it's quite an intense form of yoga but um maybe there's a specific part that they measured or you know, this is one thing that I've seen in my work as well, which I've also measured is that when you use the breath to stimulate the body, because yes, absolutely, you can use it to relax. And when people think about breathing techniques, quite often they think about using the breath to relax or to fall asleep, but you can also use it for the opposite. You can use it to create energy, to activate the nervous system and to really become wired and awake and ready for action. And, um, but what I've found is that the more that you practice using those stimulating types of breathing techniques Mm. and then combine them later with things like relaxation techniques uh, or slower breathing techniques or even meditation, um, the deeper you are able to access the the parasympathetic nervous system or the the rest and digest aspect of our autonomic nervous system um, in, in a more deeper and profound way. So it's almost like, you're creating this flexibility in your nervous system so that even if you're practicing going into an activated uh, system or activated um, state, it almost swings you back in the other way, uh, making you feel like you can relax even more deeply. That's extremely interesting. When you mentioned stressful breathing, what exactly did you mean? Would you would you use stressful breathing to activate your sympathetic nervous system, or is it or is it a case that people breathe in this way when they are stressed? Well, it's both. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So in this, so, you know, people, you actually, you know, you, you, you nailed it before when you were talking, gave your example of when someone feels anxious, how Mm -hmm. their breathing might become faster, um, maybe a little bit more shallow um, because you're starting to use these secondary breathing tech, breathing muscles in your uh, chest and your shoulders and your neck and your upper back that are designed to kick in when we are in our fight or flight response to help us to ventilate faster. Um, now, 
what you can also do though, is you can start to take some of these principles and do them on purpose to create a stress response. And a stress response can be a good thing, right? Mm. The problem is that most people, or many people anyway, are kind of in their stress response all the time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you know, there are instances where you want to use the breath in order to create that, that sympathetic activation in your nervous system. So a lot of Kundalini yoga is a lot of very fast breathing quite often, you know, you'll be doing, um, you know, things like breath of fire yeah, at that kind of pace for long periods of time. Um, and or very aggressive breathing, you know, you know, where you're, you're, you're making sound and, and it's, it's energetic, your body heats up and you feel your palms get sweaty. And, you know, so, um, it's interesting that Kundalini yoga was specifically mentioned in that one. I um, think it was alternate nostril. Um, although I could be mistaken. Okay. Um, well, is- I've, I've, yeah. Alternative nostril breathing is a very slow form of breathing. And so, you know, if we talked about a stressful style of breath being a fast style of breath, um, then it makes sense that a relaxing breath would be a slower style of breathing. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, alternative nostril breathing is generally done quite slowly. Um, and very, very, very useful, they say, also for balancing the brain hemispheres as well. Right. Okay. What do you mean by balancing the brain hemispheres? So what they have seen, although I can't quote a study on this, I've only read it in, in um, yeah, yogic journals, mm-hmm. that the, um, have you heard of the concept like called whole brain functioning, where you get a, I guess, a symmetry of activity across the left and um, right hemispheres of the brain. Um, I, that's something which is quite new to me. Yeah. If you, there's, there's all these interesting like therapies and stuff around as well, around trying to create this whole brain functioning. So rather than having the left side of the brain be dominant or the right side be dominant, mm-hmm. it's about creating a balance between the two. And the, they say that, you know, it's, it's this state that's actually our most optimal state of cognitive function of being and of existence um it's where we can be you know reach our heights of creativity or states of flow uh it's really really interesting so in yogic journals they do say like that this is supposed to help this alternate nostril breathing is supposed to help to increase that whole brain function the balancing of activity of the left and right hemispheres right okay that that's that's I'm 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 just trying to think like wh- why would it be so beneficial to 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 utilize that in what scenarios do you reckon or I guess people always say that I'm quite left brain right so I think that's yeah. like determining logic and right brain right brains meant to be more creative so the kind of interplay between the two I guess wouldn't would be a gr- less stressful state. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be great to have a, be- a balance between the rational and the logic and the creative and the inspired? Yes. You know, yeah. how nice would it be to have all of that functioning together as a whole? Um, that sounds like a pretty nice state to be in. Yeah, 100%. 100%. <laughs> no, it's something which I've used um, for years was uh, the 478 breath. And that's purely because it helps me relax. It's like a inhale for four seconds hold for seven exhale for eight seconds and i do four to eight rounds of that at night before bed um but that's how i kind of got into breath work without knowing or diving deeper into anything else but i know you've looked at it obviously much much further but how do you i know you use it all the time it's it's your work it's your life but in what situations do you use it now it's definitely um changed over over the years uh whereas when i first started breath work i became i was you know very much i was very excited let's just put it that way and <laughs> um and i i was i was wanting to do breath work almost every moment of every day for very in various ways but you I know every imagine. day every day would start with a, you know at least an hour session of deep breathing and just going into completely altered states of consciousness and experiencing all sorts of things. Um, and, uh, but you know, these days it's much more subtle. Do I do deeper breathwork sessions for myself? And by deeper, I mean like, you know, lying down and doing techniques for an hour, hour and a half every now and again, but definitely not as much as I, I used to these days. It's a much more subtle practice where I will integrate it throughout the day. Right. So I will find, 
moments where, you know, if I can feel like my, you know, one interesting thing when you start to really become aware of your breathing and almost have it as, you know, an instinctual awareness is you'll notice how your breathing is changing before you notice your emotions changing. So before you even notice that you're feeling nervous or stressed, you'll go, oh, my breathing is tightened up. It's become shallow. It's breathing faster or I'm holding my breath. Um, and then you can start to make changes very quickly. Um, you know, so doing things like that or that where that's the awareness and implementing it throughout the day based on whatever is going on in my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I fully, um, it resonates with me a lot when you're saying holding your breath, because that is something which I think I do quite often, or I catch myself doing it when I'm in a stressful state. So if, if I need to action something or something's got a tight turnaround at work, I might hold my breath and notice and take some time to do some more deeper breaths calm my nervous system down and then carry on and that's been something which i found extremely interesting and that was purely because um re reading some of your work and listening to your previous podcasts and i was like right that is something i'm going to be acutely aware of now yes absolutely catching when you are uh, when you are unconsciously holding your breath which is a survival instinct by the way it's built into our uh, into our fight flight or freeze you know, mm -hmm. forgotten freeze that yeah. we, not many people talk about you know the aspects so um of our of our fight of that that sympathetic system so um so yeah and when you catch yourself holding your breath it's very important to just take it might even be just 20 to 30 seconds just to first relax acknowledge that you've been holding your breath and just go how am i feeling what like what what am what is going on in my mind right now that makes sense that I'm holding my breath because when you when you really start to pay attention to your breath it becomes the deepest form of introspection that you can ever ever do because because of how reflective it is of our internal states mm -hmm. so taking that moment just to ask yourself those questions okay I was holding my breath why was I holding my breath what am I thinking what am I feeling what is happening around me right now and then like you do so brilliantly just take a nice to few nice deep breaths relax get back into your the flow of things just be mindful of the breath coming in and out slow it down a little bit and then get on with your day yeah <laughs> i even uh whilst you were speaking tried to do that as well it's, it's quite mm -hmm. interesting i can tell why why the app's so good now because <laughs> you've got the the uh, voice for it. it's very calming oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> you know it's really funny i when i was growing up I uh, I used to absolutely hate my voice. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I guess you could say as a as a young man, I was a late developer. So I think my my voice probably broke maybe like a year or so later than most of the people in my grade at school. Mm -hmm. um, and I was very self conscious about it. Uh, so I kind of always I had this thing about my voice for a long time. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting how things evolve and how things change and and uh now it's 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 my job to speak and to guide and use it a lot yeah so what's your perception on it now have you uh what do you think uh, it does it still bother you no it doesn't bother me okay. um that's and I a think, good thing i think for yeah <laughs> yeah exactly no it doesn't bother me at all um it is one of those funny things though obviously like my my work when I record stuff for the app or do a lot of podcasts, so I, I hear myself speak a lot. So I think you just you um you really get used to your own voice. The first few times you hear yourself, you're like, "Oh my god, that's me!" Um, but uh, eventually, you get used to it. Yeah, when I first started this podcast, editing was uh, an absolute nightmare. I really hated to do it <laughs> for that exact reason. Uh, mm. But but you're right; you do get used to yourself speaking. Um, mm. something which I didn't ask you, um, before, which I I'm still very much interested in. There's so many different techniques out there for breath work and you've experienced and been trained in a lot of them. Which techniques did you find, I guess, the most profound mm. or the, 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 the one which had the most impact on you? So... You can use the breath for lots of different reasons and lots of different ways. And what I would say has had the most impact for me 
has been those deeper real transformational styles of breath. Um, so that we, that we kind of lump them into a, a group or category of breath work called integrative breath work. Right. And what, what do you mean by that? So, so, so it's the breath work styles that we use as a form of like therapy. So mm-hmm. to work through any kind of, um, emotional, um, challenges, trauma, things that you might be holding on to that don't serve you. And the examples of these types of breath work are things like rebirthing, transformational breath, yeah. holotropic breath work, tra- um, uh, biodynamic breath work. Um, there's, and there's a lot, those are kind of a lot of, those are the really well-known ones. And there's a million and one ones that are just popping up all over the place. Now everyone's mm-hmm. just, you know, place putting their own spin and adding their own gifts and expertise and creating their own methods and stuff. And so it's really nice to see. Um, but it's these kinds of styles of breath work, which are profound because the way that this, they, these styles of breath work work is that through deep styles of breathing. When I say deep, it's usually implementing something called the conscious connected breath where you are breathing um, deeper than normal and faster than normal in a circular and connected way, which means that there's no pausing between inhales and exhales. So you can think of it as kind of like controlled hyperventilation or in what, what we term it as superventilation. So breathing more than you need to breathing more than your metabolic demands require, but using that as a way to create changes in the body and to go into altered states of consciousness. Now these styles of breath have been used in ancient culture forever. And you only need to look into some of the shamanic styles of breathing from some of the South American tribes where they would use this style, this, this controlled hyperventilation to connect with spirit, to connect with, their ancestors and to and to go into these you know almost psychedelic realms was this well, kind of breath work and um, implemented with the chanting um yes uh, in 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 the shamanic rituals yeah. they would use a lot of chanting they would use drumming uh fire ceremony uh they combine it with things like fasting as well mm-hmm. um you know there's a lot a lot of different ways to kind of enter into those psychedelic realms um, or not on or non-ordinary states of consciousness. Um, so, so it's these, and so, you know, I've, I've basically experienced either trained in or experienced most of these styles of breath. And I would say those are the styles that have really had the most profound impact in me in just understanding who I am and being able to heal any kind of, emotional impacts that I've had over my life and uh, in a a big way. Um, And even to have transcendental experiences where you get to perhaps experience something beyond the five senses and, uh, you know, communicate with spirit, communicate with um, past loved ones Mm -hmm. to be able to, to go beyond the normal waking consciousness and experience something more. Um, it's, and, and you're doing it just by breathing, which is pretty, pretty profound. Yeah. Th- I mean, this sounds intense and, to, and for some of the listeners, people might be thinking this has gone quite woo woo now, but this is something which I think has been documented for, for millennia that people use breath work to get into this state of consciousness. Um, and quite often in ancient cultures, they would use, um, psychedelic, um, herbs or medicinal plants and things of this nature to, to get in this state but it wasn't always necessary um and i think it's fascinating that you bringing this up i actually spoke to a monk i actually met a monk a while ago christian monk but he uses meditation every single day and he described something very similar to what you've just outlined now mm, absolutely you know it's uh, it can sound quite strange and quite um like you say kind of woo woo um, I use that word lightly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, but, um, you know, actually one of the very popular styles of breath, this style of breath work is called holotropic breath work. And it's made by a man called Dr. Stan Groff, um, who was one of the pioneers, um, of using, um, the, of, of, uh, yeah, of using LSD in clinical settings mm-hmm. as a form of therapy. So he's a psychotherapist originally. Um, and so he was, you know, in the sixties, 
you know, pioneering this work and doing study after study after study. Um, and uh, it wasn't until LSD got banned did then he come across breathwork and then realize that actually breathwork seems to have the almost exact same effect on people when they were taking these, these, these um, LSD uh, treatments. Yeah. And so, so he started to apply that same kind of clinical mindset, but using breathwork at the same, but using breathwork instead of some sort of exogenous substance. So, um, you know, it's, but it is something that is getting more and more attention. And so it's really my hope that as it does continue to grow in popularity, that more and more um, scientific organizations, universities, research organizations would be interested in trying to run some deeper studies on why people have these effects. And I'm actually speaking with um, Imperial College uh, mm -hmm. Institute for Psychedelic Research to just mm -hmm. maybe do some work around breath work as well. Um, that would be so incredible. Yeah, it is. It's exciting. It's really exciting. Because I'm just thinking, um, and this is something which just has come to me now, in terms of, because all these psychedelic substances, like, for example, psilocybin has been studied, which you can get in uh, magic mushrooms, they're commonly called on the mm -hmm. street, I guess. Um, that's been studied to help with various different things, from manic depression um, to anxiety, etc., and I'm wondering whether breath work would have the same neuronal changes which are um, caused by the ingestion of psilocybin or whether it would need to be implemented on a daily or maybe, you know, several times a day basis in order to get the same effect. Or do you think the opposite would be true? I don't know. Well, it's, it's a great question. Um, but, you know, when you do these deeper breath work sessions, it does have that similar kind of, effect as going on a psilocybin um, um, experience or whether it's DMT through things like ayahuasca, yeah. where you can have profound shifts in mindset and perception and in healing um, in a single session that has a permanent effect. Um, but you're right, you know, it's really exciting to see, you know, things like um, psilocybin being researched for its potential therapeutic benefits. And I think, you know, there, there are so many brilliant natural plants out there that can seem to be very useful. There's, um, there's another psychedelic substance called Iboga, which based off um, uh, the, the research shows that it has around about an 80% success rate for curing people of um, heroin addictions. Mm-hmm. And which is, you know, far higher than any rehab center that you can go to. You know? I know that's amazing. Yeah, eight zero. So it's so. I think the more and more that society opens up to the ideas and works out the responsible and safe ways to be able to use these gifts from nature, really, um, then you know, there's some real potential for all of us. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's fascinating to hear your story because I always look at my interest in nutrition. I always go, went out to try a, basically every single diet that was out there, right? From fasting to raw veganism to veganism to ketogenic, etc. And it seems that you've done very much the same, but with breath work and kind of mind, um, I don't know what you'd call it. I was going to use the word mind alteration, but that's not the right term. <laughs> no yeah well you could just say breath work i suppose because yeah. <laughs> i'm really in my area but i'm actually yeah. just curious um have you tried the carnivore diet before you know that is something which i haven't tried and i've not brought myself to do it um but that is popular popularized by um what was it called dominic was it saladino uh De dom degas degas no i know he's talking about no, yeah, like he's no, the keto guy. MD. I can't remember his name. It's going to really frustrate me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you, you wrote the book, The Carnivore Code. I'm not um, promoting it here, but he's some he's someone which I find extremely fascinating. And he looks at plants on like a toxicity spectrum rather than a health promoting spectrum. Um, which it's all very fascinating, isn't it? Like yeah. a, a diet, a diet is such an interesting thing. And I'm sure the right answer is that there is no one size fits all, obviously. Yeah. But, I mean, um, it is, it is amazing to see how people who can switch to a completely plant-based diet and have such beautiful effects doing that 
and then there's another segment of population who only eat red meat and then have some pretty <laughs> profound effects on that as well. Yeah. Um, it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think you always start with a level of health, right? And w wherever that level may be. So we might be born um, at a level where our resilience will be low to the environment that we live in. Maybe we have a poor capacity to detox chemicals or that we might just have a sensitive gut and we can't tolerate certain foods. Um, I remember when I was on Rupi's podcast, I, I mentioned a load of these um, anti-nutrients, oxalates, phytic acid, um, carbohydrate binding proteins called lectins, which can disrupt the gut in some people. But the important thing is everyone's got a different threshold and some people won't react to anything when others will. And quite a lot now you'll see, especially in the functional medicine movement, people using different diets to help with autoimmune diseases so there's like the autoimmune paleo protocol where they cut out all these different foods which might potentially irritate the system and that includes like eggs dairy legumes nuts seeds um etc and wheat and grains but it um with the carnivore diet i think it seems to work profoundly well for people who can't tolerate plant foods that well and i think the 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 amount within a population of people like that is relatively small but mm. from what i've seen so far and remember there's no no randomized clinical control trial on the carnivore diet as of yet but it seems to be the case that it does have benefits certainly in the short term which is what most people have done it for yes yes that seems to be the case um you know I, my, my dad, when, when we first, uh, when he first got diagnosed with MS, um, he went on to the walls protocol, Yes, I'm which is kind of like that. modified paleo, right? And, yeah. um, absolutely brilliant for him, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's something that I've, I've spoken about previously and it's, it's one of those things where there is a lack of evidence for diets and autoimmune diseases, but you know, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. Just because something mm. isn't proven in a scientific journal doesn't mean it's not going to work. Um, and especially with elements or whether it be protocols which have very little um, kind of, what, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for here? There's very few side effects to it, if at all. And mm. the only possible um, side effect is a positive one where it will benefit you. So that's where I believe you can use these. And the Walls Protocol is one of them. And they, they actually have an insane, insane amount of vegetable consumption within that diet as well. Yes. Um, and some of the supplementation may not go, may go against conventional wisdom. But again, I don't think anyone's tried it as of yet, which has experienced a, a negative outcome. Certainly not from what I've seen. I could be, could be wrong. But that's wonderful to hear that your dad is doing so well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think... Yeah, but you're so right. There's a very high um, vegetable intake. And then you hear about people who completely clear up any kind of symptom of autoimmune disease through yeah. the carnivore diet. So you're like, well, <laughs> I guess you just have to try and see what works for you, right? Yeah. And you, you completely got it right with personalization. And I mm. imagine the same is with breath work, right? I mean, I don't know whether you've seen this, whether other people respond to the same breath work differently. You know, it's very much the same as as diets where everybody's relationship to their breath is so personal and mm. you know what might work really well for one person won't work for the other you know a great example of this is um there's probably one of the more well-known uh breathing techniques that people use to calm their nerves it's called box breathing um, which was popularized because the Navy SEALs use it um, before they jump out of a plane and before they go into a firefight um, mm. to, to calm their nerves and to get in the zone. And part of box breathing is uh, to do significant breath holding. So um, there's four parts to the breath, like four sides to a square. So they're all equal uh, in length. Mm -hmm. So you will inhale, let's say for five seconds, then you'll pause at the top for five seconds you will exhale for five seconds and then pause at the bottom for five seconds and you go around. So inhale, pause, exhale, pause, inhale, pause, exhale, pause. So I would say for the majority of people, this works very well. And it's, it's a really nice technique, but there is a part of the population where holding your breath either with lungs full or lungs empty is actually very anxiety inducing. 
right. and and is not comfortable for them at all. So you have this technique that is supposed to calm their nerves and all of a sudden they're feeling worse. Um, and then they start to go, why isn't this working? And was there something wrong with me? Am I broken? And you go, well, no, actually, it's just that everybody's relationship to their breath is different. And, you know, while there might be something that mostly works for people, uh, it might not work for everyone. That four, seven, eight breath is, is good for most people, but I have also met people that where it didn't really work for them very well. Mm. Um, so it is about trying different things, much like trying different diets to see what works best for you. Yes. I mean, I mean, it was fascinating that you brought that up because the, the holding the, the seven hold, and um, which is part of the four, seven, eight breath, the people that I've spoken to who've tried it and don't like it is because of that long hold. Mm, um, yeah. So I'm wondering if that's a, a recurring theme that we see. And obviously you're exhaling for eight seconds, which is can be quite a lot for some people as well. Um, it's on, funny, sorry. you know, the four, seven, eight breath was popularized by Dr. Andrew Weil. Yes, that's kind of exactly. how it got big in, in the West. Um, but whenever he demonstrates it, I know he says, you know, four counts, seven counts, eight counts, but his counts are so fast. Yeah, I think so it's like, too. I think you're cheating, Andrew. Like, I don't think this is right. <laughs> he does it so quickly. Um, but, uh, and, and actually, you know what, that's fine to do and to begin with, because I think with that breath, a big part of it is the ratios um, rather than the total actual length, um, like getting the exact length correct. But at the same time, you can start a little bit faster, but the more you do it, the more you can start to slow it down more and more and more. until so you get to that full four seconds, seven seconds and eight seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It's the same with box breathing. I've found as well. I think I started off with four seconds and then went up from there, but some people start with three or two even. Um, mm. but yeah. For many people, it's very hard to breathe slowly. Like they're, there's then, in some ways, especially when you start to do things like you know, coherent breathing, which is another great technique, which is just six seconds in, six seconds out, mm -hmm. to be able to maintain that cadence of breath and do it properly. So not, I breathe in for three to four seconds and then my lungs are full, so I can't breathe anymore. So I just wait two seconds and then I start to exhale, only exhale for four seconds and my lungs are empty. So then I wait two seconds. Um, you know, To be able to ration the breath for the full six seconds in and then six seconds out takes, you know, learning to be very, to, to breathe with a, with a, like a finesse and to be very delicate with the breath. And I think that what draws in that mindful element of really paying attention to your breath, that anchor to the present. So not only are you creating a physiological change with the cadence of the breath, but it's also a mindfulness exercise yeah. in bringing your attention and your awareness fully into the present moment. Yeah, that's a beautiful way of putting it. Uh, is there a technique that we could potentially do now or, or listeners could do now that, that would show them the kind of the power of breath work? Sure. Yeah, we could do something um, like a quick one, if you like. Sure. Um, something that can just give you a bit of a, a burst of what breath work can do. So we talked about box breathing. We've already talked about coherence breathing. We talked mm -hmm. about four, seven, eight breathing. So these are all styles of breath that are nice and relaxing, soothing for the nervous system. So let's use, let's try something for energy now, something right. a little bit different. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to speed up the breath a little bit and, and uh, breathe a little bit faster than we usually would. And we're going to use a technique called um, the Energizer Bunny. Okay. And I call it the Energizer <laughs> Bunny because we uh, are going to be taking some short, sharp breaths in through the nose. And when people start to do that, and because it is quite fast, it's quite a new experience, they kind of start to like scrunch and wiggle their nose around a little bit like a, like a bunny rabbit. So, um, <laughs> so it works a little bit like this. We are going to, oh, actually, safety notice. So if you are driving, operating machinery, or just not in a safe place in general, please don't do this technique. Just wait till you... Uh, can find a safe space where you won't be disturbed um, and then you can join in on the technique. So it goes a little something like this. You're going to inhale through the nose three times, progressively filling up your lungs. And it's going to be at quite a fast pace. And then on the exhale, you are just going to relax. It's almost like you're sighing out. So right. I just sit up 
comfortably for a second. So it will sound something like this for your listeners. So three inhales, one exhale. So hopefully you could hear that. Yes. Um, so you can see that it's quite a fast pace. In your, and um, each inhale, you're progressively filling up your lungs. So you're not um, exhaling between your inhales. You're not going, <sighs> right? It's in, 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 out. So we can try this now. Okay. How long do so, you do it for? I can time it. We'll only do it for about, let's do it for 40 seconds. Okay. Perfect. Cool. So you'll have to let me know. So, um, alrighty, everybody. So wherever you are sitting comfortably, sitting safely, please, you can close your eyes for this. And I invite you now to exhale out. And now let's do this together. So through the nose, in, 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 out the mouth, in, 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 out the mouth, in, 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 out, nose, 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 mouth, nose, 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 mouth. In, 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 out. In, 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 out. Now keep going. And that exhale is just like a relaxed sigh out. You're just dropping it out of you. Nothing to do. Just, you know, it's like a sigh of relief. Like you're just dropping down, letting go of the weight of the day. And keep turning that breath. You might start to feel a bit buzzy or a bit lightheaded or a bit kind of tingly. That just shows that you're making changes inside of you and you're just doing it with your breath, which is kind of cool. So just the last few now. Stay with it if you can. We must be coming up to 40 seconds kind yeah. of soon. There we go. Check out, check out my clock. Um, all right. So now, everyone, keep your eyes closed still and just take a nice long inhale through the nose. Big inhale in and just side out through the mouth and just relax the body for a second and just notice what you feel inside of you. Do you feel some buzzing, some warmth, some cold sometimes, a bit lightheaded, a bit spacey perhaps, that's okay. Richie. When you're ready, no. oh yeah. Sorry. That's all right. I was just going to say, when you're ready, you can open your eyes and come back. <laughs> <laughs> I did rush you with that one. I, yeah. I, I was uh, got too excited how you are with breath work to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> I Because um, I, immediately I, I felt extremely warm there but also energized and when you said lightheaded that's exactly how i felt but not in a in a way which i thought was going to be dangerous it was just quite a, an exhilarating way um, yeah yeah absolutely and you know it's it's one thing that actually um many people will find perhaps a little bit strange or a little bit tough because it's an unfamiliar feeling um, but it's actually perfectly safe. And, you know, you could do that energizer bunny, not advising this necessarily, but you could do that energizer bunny for an hour nonstop and you'd be totally fine. You know, there's, you know, I, um, the longest I've ever done, like a deep breath work session is about three and a half hours. Wow. And that is breathing like this for three and a half hours nonstop. And I survived. I'm still here. Uh, <laughs> so, so really, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that we can do with our breath that perhaps might seem strange or kind of beyond the limits of what we think is comfortable, but actually, it's perfectly safe. Right. Did you did you drink during that time? Because from the sounds of things, I imagine that's going to be quite dehydrating. I didn't. No, it didn't stop. Mm. Um, and, but the thing is, you, you go into these flow states where like that three and a half hours um, felt like maybe an hour and 20 minutes, maybe something like that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. It just flew by. Um, yeah. Because you just go into such a, a state of flow. And then once you start to perhaps have some interesting experiences in that moment, um, you know, you, you lose track of time completely. Like you, 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 it's not a thing anymore. One thing which um, I wanted to touch upon just before I ask you the three questions, which I mm -hmm. ask everyone that comes on the show, is um, I was fascinated by your story to begin with, partly because when you found breathwork, you found it beneficial for your dad. Um, and I was wondering um, what kind of techniques worked and how that kind of impacted your dad's disease, because you, you've, yeah. you've mentioned your dad has multiple sclerosis. 
Yes. So that was the whole reason why I got into breath work was because I was researching ways to be able to help dad. And it was through my research that I came across this man named Wim Hof. Uh, He's known as the Iceman. And he's this crazy Dutch guy uh, who is uh, called the Iceman because he has 20 something world records all related to cold exposure. So things like swimming under ice for the longest distance. He nearly summited Everest just wearing shorts and hiking boots and nothing else. Um, he sat in an ice bath for nearly two hours. So, you know, just some really astonishing. I remember um, looking at the analysis of like the study with the ice bath and his mm. core temperature didn't change or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it was unbelievable. Yes. He, you know, he's really showing what is possible for human beings. And of course, you know, people thought he was just a freak of nature. He was the exception to the rule. But what is amazing is that he's just, he started to train other people to be able to do what he does. And, you know, within a few days, just any Joe blow off the street is able to climb mountains at minus 19 degrees in his underwear, you know? (laughs) And, um, you know, this is some of the training that I did with him when I was with him in Poland for my, um, when I was learning, um, breath work. Yeah. And, um, so he has this technique called the Wim Hof method and the Wim Hof method goes a little something like this. There is a breathing, a set breathing routine that you do. Um, and then there is a cold exposure element as well. And that can be as simple as taking a cold shower every day. Uh, it could be having access to ice. So doing things like ice baths, or if you're near the, the cold ocean, jumping in the cold ocean, some sort of cold exposure. Um, and why this got my attention in the first place was Wim was saying that this technique seems to be useful for everybody's health and well-being, but he is seeing really great results for people who have autoimmune issues. Um, so that's what led me to, to, to learn about it in the first place. So when dad was diagnosed with MS, it was because he started to feel some, um, tingling down his right leg. Uh, so when he had got the scans and got the diagnosis, it was all a bit crazy. And actually you know, my grandma had MS as well. So it was, you know, really a shock for our family because we saw what it did to a grandma and how it eventually took her from, incredibly active woman to walking with a cane so in a wheelchair um so so yeah we're looking for things to help him um and so his the progression progression in terms of symptoms for his ms never spread any further than just some tingling down his right leg because we started to do things real soon like the walls protocol for example and then eventually this breath work and ice and um and uh, cold exposure so There is a daily breathing routine that takes about 15 to 20 minutes, um, which is a combination of deep breathing and also breath holding exercises. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's, you know, daily cold showers if you can access it. But luckily where my, um, where my dad was living at the time in Hong Kong, uh, they actually had like a cold plunge pool randomly. So, so he was able to actually do proper, like cold, cold, like dips. Um, yeah, I know. So fortuitous, right? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so he kept that up. And then the combination of diet and that practice has meant that um, the progression of his MS has never gotten any worse. And, you know, he goes and gets the scans every six months and there's no changes in, in lesions or anything. So it's not to say that it's cured MS or anything, but it hasn't progressed in any way, which has been absolutely amazing. That's so wonderful to hear. Yeah. Um... Yeah. Yeah, and it's just amazing that that breath work, and obviously you've implemented different elements as well, but breath work especially can have such a profound effect, and that whim has found that as well. I think it's I think it's incredible, you know, and you know they they I think Wim Hof, the his his um his uh company Inafi has recently shared a study that was published. I forget which journal it was where they um. They did a uh, extended study for Wim Hof method and rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. and showing the benefits of Wim Hof method and, and on its uh, on rheumatoid arthritis, which is and how it had very positive effects. So that's really exciting as well. So there is now some 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 you know proper scientific evidence that's showing its effect, and I really do hope that this information can be spread, and just so that you know people who have any kind of autoimmune disease can 
at least try it because at the end of the day, once you learn the technique, um, breathing is free. Cold water is cheap anyway. Well, maybe not hundred percent free, but close to. Yeah. Um, and uh, and if that can help in any way, then that's pretty fantastic. Yeah, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Um, if I can get hold of that paper, what I'll do for listeners, I will link it in the show notes. Um, I actually think um they've even the Inner Fire Academy they've even made like a little uh, video about it on YouTube, so maybe you can link that as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. I, I definitely will, and obviously a link to everything that we've spoken about today. Um, just, um, I'm going to ask you the, uh, the three questions, which I ask everyone that comes on the show, Richie, <laughs> which with the first one being, and I imagine I know the answer already, but y- you might surprise me. What has been the most impactful change to made in your life and why that you have made in your life and why, sorry. So rather than just say breath work, <laughs> you know, cause that's far too obvious. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather speak, maybe I'll speak about something else. Um, and it's a mindset change. Yeah. It can be anything. Yeah. And that mindset change is that many of us crave the familiar and feel like that they, we need the familiar to know what's coming and what's going to happen because it helps us to feel in control. Um, what hap- one of the biggest changes that I've made in my life has been to crave the unknown and to feel very comfortable in the unknown and to have the trust and the belief that something absolutely beautiful and better than I could even imagine can come out of that unknown. Um, that's something that I think I did learn through breath work. It was kind of one of my big aha moments in a, during a breath work session, but that has really been profound in the way that my life has played out, particularly over the last few years. Um, so that's, yeah, that's that. That's absolutely beautiful. And I imagine you've just persuaded everyone to, uh, if, if they're not persuaded already to study breath work. <laughs> <laughs> And the second one being, um, how can healthcare become more integrated with these kind of modalities, in this case, breath work, um, mm. that you've outlined today? Yeah. You know, it, it has so many applications. And, you know, one of the things I was speaking to one of the hospitals here in, in London about was, you know, creating some sort of guided breathwork experience for patients who are, you know, just they with who have all the time in the world. And if they're just sitting in their bed and recovering, can you educate them about their breathing and then give them guided breathing experiences that will one help them to, you know, relax and which we all know helps with the healing process. So I think that's one massive thing. Um, You know, I think that all, any talk therapist should have some sort of experience understanding of the breath because it's just, it's like low hanging fruit. And even before you go into anything else um, to try and help a patient, even just teaching them how to breathe properly can give them so much benefit. Um, And uh, you know, and even, even, you know, I I work with a lot of people uh, for various reasons and I've started working quite a lot with people who have, um, respiratory issues like cystic fibrosis, for example. And mm-hmm. um, I worked with one girl who was diagnosed, I think, when she was four, and she's well, she's probably like 28 now. I'm guessing 27 when I worked with her. And um, when she came to see me, I asked her, well, I, I just watched her breathe for a little while, and I could see that there were some real issues around just her breathing mechanic and what she was doing. And then I asked her as, you know, you've been in, in and out of the, you know, the, um, the hospital and, and healthcare systems for, since you were four working with respiratory specialists, has anyone told you that your breathing mechanic is really not up to scratch is, is not serving you? And she said, no. And I was like, well, that just seems crazy to me. Like, you know, how is it possible that your, your primary thing that could potentially take your life is this capacity to, to breathe? And no one has actually shown you how to breathe correctly. 
Um, so, you know, things like that, a greater awareness, I think. And, you know, there are breathing or respiratory uh, physiotherapists, but I think there's only a handful. And I, I know one of them in London and I was getting kind of an understanding of it. And there's only a handful in London and they have a waiting list of up to six months. Wow. So there really, I think can be a greater education because it really is quite simple mm-hmm. more broadly to doctors, nurses, anybody, um, just because it's so easy and can be so helpful for anybody. Um, so yeah, I think that could be good. Well, yeah, well, you've outlined it can, it can work for a multitude of ailments. So I completely agree with you there. Um, last but not least, can you provide the listeners and you've given loads already with three tips to help improve their health and well-being from today? You mean three more? But <laughs> <laughs> well, we've covered a bunch of different techniques, so maybe I'll try not to go into any more techniques. Um, let's see. You know, I can fit what, one in if you want. Like Richie's uh, book is out very soon. Exhale. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to start. So yeah, tenth of September, twenty twenty. My uh, my first book, uh, Exhale, comes out and is available for pre order now, which is really exciting um the uh it, it's basically the breathwork book i wish that i first had when i started this journey and encapsulates looking at breathwork from all sorts of different angles and all sorts of different lenses and applying it in different ways so that it can be useful for anybody um, so we look at how you can assess your own breathing see if you're doing it in a way that serves you uh, and if you're not how you can change it and then a whole host of different breathing techniques for lots of different situations. So that's, um, that's a good, very good first tip. Thank you very much for that. You're very welcome. Um, you know, this, this tip probably would have gone before, before your tip, which is basically just to, to even just seed in your mind that your breathing is important. You know, like if you can, even if you've forgotten every single technique that we've shared today, just, putting it in your head that, you know what, the way that I breathe affects me and then start to take notice because your breath holds information. It holds information about you. And all you need to start to do is learn how to listen to it, learn how to decipher it, to decode it, to be able to tap, to, to use that as a tool, to be able to understand what is going on with you. It really is just, it's just a treasure trove of information once you learn. So that's two. Um, and three is to keep listening to this podcast because I think they have a lot of really good guests, uh, really <laughs> interesting people with lots of great things to say. So um, I think you are very well served for all your functional health and wellness needs. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for that one. I think we just blowed smoke there, but well you know what you 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 were so kind to 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 give offer me a, a plug for my book so i uh i thought you know this is this your podcast deserves it as well everyone needs to you know i i think and i love you know we were chatting before this podcast started about the work that you do um and what can change in this world around a new idea of what health means and how to approach it. And I think, you know, we're so lucky in this day and age where ignorance, ignorance is a choice Mm -hmm. uh, where all the information that you could ever want is freely available to you on the internet. So all you need to do is be curious enough and be willing and be open to start to absorb new things, new ideas, new perspectives to, Put us, you know, in, in the martial arts um, worlds, they, they call it a white belt mindset, where even if you are the most expert person in your field or even in a certain subject, to be able to maintain a level of curiosity where you go, you know what, I know what I know, but I'm going to push it all to the side so that I can fully absorb whatever the next thing is and approach it with an open heart. Um, because the biggest downfall that anyone can have is when they decide that they feel like they know everything already. Mm. Um, and, and then, because then you attach your ego to that and it can really just become a dangerous spiral. So being open to new ideas, new perspectives, new information, because that's how we evolve as human beings. That's, that's how we progress individually and collectively. So 
remain open, be curious, and have fun. Richie, um, it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, my friend. I really do hope that we can do it again soon post-COVID. Uh, but before you go, can you please tell the listeners um, what you're working on now and what exciting projects you have coming up? Yeah, well, so the book comes out as we are speaking now in just mm. a few weeks, and that's super exciting. Um, but uh, I also have an app as well, which, um, you know, Flourish. where the flourish yeah where the where the book is a deeply informative and educational piece with lots of practical tips and how to implement breath in your life flourish is more the experiential piece it's kind of think of it maybe if you've heard of headspace or calm these meditation apps it's kind of like that but for breath work where it's less about you know describing theory and the education and really just about experiencing and you know i guide you through these these breathwork and deep uh these breathwork journeys um for all sorts of different benefits for all sorts of different exercises and all these different outcomes so that's a really great place to find me i do some live streaming on there there's about nearly 30 hours now of pre-recorded content um and uh yeah you know as as these times continue to evolve hopefully i'll start to do some physical stuff again in the future but anything that i'm doing whether it's digitally or in person um, you can find it all on thebreathguy.com or on Instagram, which is thebreathguy. Uh, and that Instagram is really like my main announcements board for anything that I'm doing. So check me out there. Excellent. And for the listeners, I'll link to everything, including, including Richie's <laughs> social media in the show notes. Richie, again, it's been a real, real pleasure to have you on the show. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and understanding breath work in more depth. Um, and I do hope that we can do this again soon. Would love to, mate. Thank you so much. It's been a, a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Functional Health Podcast. You can find links to everything that we talked about today in the show notes. If you have a second, please consider leaving a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does make a huge difference and helps get this valuable information out and reach more people. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date and know whenever I release a new episode. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, or our website, and all questions are welcome. As always, thanks to Joss Aurelia for the editing and Alan Harper for his support.